If you could cancel any TV show currently airing and revive one, which would it be? Wow, what a question! Mm-hmm. What a question indeed. Uh, I think I would one. just uh, I would cancel The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or The Bachelor in Paradise, and I would uh, revive probably Firefly or um, a personal favorite of mine, Awake. Oh, I'm I'm offended about what you would cancel, but I think those are quality uh, quality shows to revive. Uh, at least awake, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah. Well, Simon, if I were to cancel any TV shows, it would be uh, probably every CW show that's currently airing. Everyone. And if I were to revive one, aren't they all getting canceled on their own? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and if I were to revive one, uh, I think it would be Netflix's Flaked, starring Will Arnett. Oh, that's a great one. What yeah. a great choice. Oh, I completely forgot about that. That's a great show. Although that show, I feel like it had a good enough ending. I feel like I was okay with it, but it's it, that's a wow. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. Pretty good. Thank you. On the topic of shows being canceled, Adrian, this week we'll talk about how Netflix's CEOs have never canceled a successful show. We'll dive into what could possibly be one of the greatest episodes of television from the third episode of HBO's The Last of Us. And we'll discuss all of the Oscar nominations and snubs. For the 2023 Oscar ceremony. This is Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, episode 103. Hello there! My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host, and Mr. 5 out of 5 every time, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you doing this day, Simon Dennis Eady? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, just, uh, just chilling. Just chilling. Just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Are you doing well? I'm doing well. Excellent. I have actually my daughter, Ellie, uh, directly next to me, to my left um, of my standing desk, Simon. I stand while we record because it keeps mm. me energetic. It keeps my brain fluid. Wow. Keeps my uh, keeps me prepared to answer any questions you might have. Excellent. Mm-hmm. By daughter, you mean dog. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do- I realized saying dog like daughter and dog together is dogater and it sounds a lot like doctor mm, l-e-m-d i see l-e-m-d wow l-e-m-d wow. yeah wow. very good adrian as we do every episode mm-hmm. we do a little we, we we jump into the small news the quick bite news the quick bites watch out watch out watch out the quibbies quick bite and so the quibby news for this week so one of the first quick bite news pieces is actually about jeremy renner who was run over mm. by a snowplow but um, he's out of the hospital. 30 bones broken, I heard. Yes, 30 bones broken. And he's out of the hospital. He's at home. But apparently, mm-hmm. this is just a follow-up of what we talked about last week. Apparently, he saved his nephew oh. prior to getting crushed by the snowplow. So he's like a hero like Hawkeye. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit to just throw in there. That's interesting. To start the podcast. Yeah. How did he save his nephew? Like, like was his nephew in the way and then he dived and pushed his nephew out of the way and then got crushed that's how i like to imagine it i don't think that's what happened though because i was reading uh, various spots where it was like uh published on the on the web various websites Mm -hmm. 
as they called him. And I, and I found that there was not a lot of detail. I don't know exactly how he saved him, but apparently he saved him. His nephew was fine. I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure. That's good. It was just Jeremy Renner who got crushed. So I imagine he, you know, dived, saved his nephew, and they got crushed underneath the treads of a snowplow. That's what I imagine. Yeesh. That's how I imagine it. But the other piece of quick bite news, Adrian, is watch out, watch out. a follow-up for last week as well. And it's about Netflix um, CEOs Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters defending the cancellation of some of their TV series. And so they, mm. you were kind of critical of them last week, actually. You were saying, ah, these guys just cancel everything, if I remember. I, I did say that. Yeah. Verbatim, actually. Yeah, exactly like that. Ah, they cancel everything I love. Yes. The Netflix CEOs actually try to defend their decisions to cancel various things by saying to Bloomberg, uh, publication Bloomberg, they said, quote, we have never canceled a successful show. A lot of these shows were well-intended, but talked to a very small audience on a very big budget. The key to it is you have to be able to talk to a small audience on a small budget and a large audience at a large budget. If you do that well, you can do that forever. Unquote. Mm. Adrian, what do you think about that? Hmm? I mean, uh, this was kind of being thrown around a lot. Like you'd see these uh, headlines that would just say like Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters say they have never canceled a successful TV show, which was obviously an odd statement. But like when you look at how they explain, you know, their outlook on that, I guess it makes sense from a financial standpoint. Obviously, Netflix is a business and it needs to make money, but I think using the word successful is dumb because there are so many metrics for success. Like there, there have been so many TV shows that Netflix has canceled. That is that are incredibly like successful critically as an example, you know, uh, a few that just like pop into my mind. I know American Vandal uh, was like a big one that that got canceled after two seasons. Uh, What's that one with uh, Drew Barrymore? The Santa Clarita died. I think that was reviewed quite well, like above an 80 for sure. You know, and there's a lot of these shows that, again, they get this critical acclaim, but Netflix doesn't give it really a chance to build up and build an audience. Um And since I think Netflix kind of suffers from, I would argue Netflix does suffer from like a marketing sort of push a lot of the time. It suffers from a bad marketing push? Like when you say suffers from a marketing push. Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like they just, they don't do a good job marketing a lot of their television shows. They'll pick, you know, a couple and then really push it, but they won't really back a lot of their smaller titles. Um, You know, there's so many TV shows. I was actually looking through a list of like Netflix series that have been canceled. And there was countless I literally never even heard of. Um, And I think that is an issue with Netflix themselves. And honestly, more and more, I am kind of switching my tune on the binge watching aspect. And I feel like Hmm. this releasing everything all at once is negatively impacting a lot of these television series. I, I mentioned it last week how... You know, uh, or I think you brought it up how Netflix is kind of adjusting a little bit where they'll do like, you know, six, like they'll split a season in two. So you talk about it for a little bit longer, but I still don't think uh, that has as high of an impact as like a TV show releasing week to week as an example. I don't know what you mean, though. When you say impact, are you saying impact on the audience or impact on the business? I think impact on the audience and business. Why the audience? 
Because, um, like, if the audience is into it, you're talking about it every single week. You know, it's exciting. I think uh, The Last yeah. of Us right now that's airing, it, one of the most exciting things about it is, you know, I finish the episode and then I have, like, six of my friends text me and I'm like, oh, man, did you see that? How crazy was this? How crazy was that? And it's fun to be a part of that conversation. The water cooler talk. I guess so. Yeah, water cooler talk. But as a result, you know, we're we're talking about it. People are posting about it online and it's just free publicity. It's, 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 you know, it's advertisement for these companies like HBO as an example. And I don't know, I think Netflix kind of misses that. If you're not there, you know, the first week a TV show launches on Netflix, you're probably not going to be a part of that conversation or you might even just get shit spoiled for you. Um, You know, having less and less time as you know, you grow older, it's kind of hard to, to, to to stay on top of these series and like you know binge them all at once you have to dedicate quite a bit of time and again i'm kind of liking this whole week to week thing where it's like okay cool every sunday night i have an hour that i'm gonna set aside watch it with like you know my mom maybe my dad if he's home uh my girlfriend and we're gonna watch an episode of the last of us and then for the week i get to talk about it with my friends and be like oh man that was so cool all that sort of stuff so i don't know i i kind of went off on a on a big tangent there but yeah, that's how I've just kind of been feeling recently. And I think Netflix might actually benefit from like switching to almost a weekly format, even if they do kind of what Amazon does with some of their shows. So uh, The Legend of Vox Machina right now is airing on Amazon, which is like a animated series. I talked about it last year um, that I actually quite liked. It's based on... Um, a critical role, which is like a group of voice actors that do a D and D session, I think every single week. And they're, they're creating an animated series about one of their campaigns that they did. And what Amazon has been doing is they've released three episodes, the first week, three episodes, the next week. And I think they're going to do that for the following weeks as well. And this way, cool. You can binge three episodes at once, which is quite nice, but at least the conversation is going to be going about that show with, you know, my three friends that watch it, um, you know, each week. So I don't know that I feel like Netflix needs to needs to do something about this because again, they continually cancel series that are critically well acclaimed. And, you know, I always worry if I'm watching something on Netflix that I like, if I'm not binging it fast enough, if that is going to negatively impact that show. Like it took me probably like three, four weeks to finish Umbrella Academy, the latest season. And I was honestly worried. I was like, oh man, what if they cancel this and there won't be a conclusion and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about that aspect of things. Um, I don't know. What do you think, man? I've been rambling here a little bit. Netflix measures their viewership within like a 30 day period from the launch of a TV series season. So I feel like if you don't do it in 30 days, I guess that would be the impact. But I feel like that's not that's a long time, man. So I'm not really worried about that. I would disagree that it has any effect on timing or spoilers for me. I, I don't understand that aspect. If you're if you, every show went week to week and you'd have then you'd have a show every every week to catch up on. It's just the way you watch it is going to be different. Mm. Um I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I don't think that it helps the business for sure. I think if Netflix changes to that, it's definitely a business perspective for sure. I get what you're saying that, you know, there's that water cooler talk aspect. Um, but I got that with Stranger Things, especially with the split season. I feel like uh, everyone was talking about it and I, I was kind of in that, that zeitgeisty kind of conversation because I had watched, especially like the last two episodes, because it was two episodes mm-hmm. for the last half. Like it was not even more than that. 
um, so for that last half there. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I feel like the timing though doesn't make a difference in terms of I don't have enough time. I, I feel like it's it, they're telling you you got to watch it on this day. It's like okay, I don't want to watch it on this day. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine, but it's like that doesn't really appeal to me. I want to watch it at my own pace. Is my is always been my argument. And the spoilers aspect, I definitely disagree um, because. HBO is launching a new trailer every week for every episode of The Last of Us, as Mm -hmm. an example. That is spoilers in its own. Marvel is really bad at this with Disney Plus shows. Oh, my goodness. They release bad spoilers on their Instagram page. I think I had to unfollow some of their social media accounts because they spoil the last episode and I haven't even caught up yet necessarily. So that's like a huge problem. You don't get that with binge shows at all. You can get people spoiling it for you, but corporations spoiling it as well, that just doesn't happen with Netflix. Netflix isn't spoiling Stranger Things uh, on their own accord, typically, until like months after the show is aired. So like I, I the spoilers thing, I feel like it's even if not worse on a week-to-week mm. perspective. Um, but I get what you say, you're saying, the water coolers thing. Again, the social aspect, I feel like is there potentially because everyone's on the same schedule. It's like we're all in it together at the same time going through this this grind, you know, they're telling us we got to watch it on this day. And so we watch it on this day. But I, I think that's antiquated in, in a lot of ways. And I'm okay to not necessarily beat to their drum is, is kind of my, mm-hmm. is my perspective. But other than that, I didn't find that they canceled shows unnecessarily for the most part. I feel like they have, they have their metrics and they didn't necessarily survive. I, I didn't necessarily, I don't disagree or agree with what you said last week that Netflix just cancels things constantly, but one thing I'll say, and was a follow-up for last week, because we were talking about curbing password sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we were talking about how Netflix is trying to curb that with very various methods. But th- we were saying that they were going way too far. Like they're doing the polar opposite of what they were doing before, which was just letting people share their passwords. But now they're trying to get people to pay extra to share passwords on that same account. We think that's ridiculous. The best way to do it is probably the way Crave does it, in, in which uh, you can kind of have just a certain number of devices. It's device-based. Yeah. Exactly. A certain number of devices can be on the same account. About five, I think, is Crave's. If I recall correctly, yeah. Uh, the way they're doing it. Maybe 10, but I think it's five. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are living in the country. Geographically, it's irrelevant. The idea is you have five devices and you can't do more than that. And that, that way, because I think Netflix is one of their big concerns is th- there's passwords in the out in the wild that... People don't even realize they haven't changed their password and people have been watching their Netflix account for years. Like an ex, uh, you know, an, an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend is, is just, you know, mooching off of them and they don't even realize it because they're not really knocking them out of that. They're not, they're not changing the password for their Netflix account too often. So it just doesn't happen. And so there, there's like, as you collect or share your password over time, there's like maybe 10 people that are watching um, your Netflix yeah. account, which is obviously an issue. And I can see why that would need to be changed on a business perspective. But this, they're going way too far is our argument. And this is the one thing I want to leave the audience with here is in 2017, on March 10th, Netflix tweeted out the, the tweet, love is an addiction. And then they did a follow-up tweet, Netflix did, and they said, love is sharing a password, period. <laughs> so Hmm, that's not that long ago. That was 2017. And that's still on Twitter. So if you want to go check it out, do it. But it's ridiculous to me that they'll be using that as a brand, kind of like it's fueling the culture of streaming services because yeah. uh, Netflix is, was at that time for sure the biggest streaming service in the world. Um, and so they, they use that as a marketing tool. But now 
No, the shareholders want you to not allow you to share passwords. So we're going to take a 180 degree turn. Mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest concern. Create a better password sharing rule book. That's fine. I just think that this is not the right way to do it. So that's my only criticism of Netflix and less so that they just cancel shows left, right and center. But yeah, that kind of reminds me of when uh, Google uh, removed the don't be evil from their terms and conditions. Like that was one of their like big slogans. Oh, don't be evil. Um, oh, I don't remember that. And then, yeah, that, that brought back a memory. Are you talking about that? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's my kind of criticism there. But I, I like Netflix generally, and it's just a little bit expensive. And if they decide to charge my family extra for sharing my Netflix account, I think I'll just probably... You'll kill your family. No, I don't care about Netflix that much. Oh. Uh, no one should. Uh, Adrian, uh, <laughs> geez, would you kill yeah. your family over over that? No, I live with them, and uh, my dad pays for Netflix. Thankfully. Oh, oh, but you live with them, so yeah, you're in good shape. But like a lot of my family, again, we lived in the same house, we moved to different towns, we have the same Netflix account, and now the question is, if if Netflix does this, does this enforcement of these rules, what will happen? And my my thing would be probably they'll just separate out of the account. Um, I'll just cancel it and re up like re up it when there's a show that comes along. It's $22 mm-hmm. a month. It will spare me the money. Like maybe I'll, I'll pay for it for six months a year instead. And they likely will not pay $22, by the way, when they get their own account. Because the argument might be on Netflix's side, well, you know what? You know what they're going to do when when you cancel? Your family's all going to pay $22 a month. Nope. Nope. My dad probably would be picked the ad one, honestly. So $7 a month or $6, whatever that is. My sister doesn't care about resolution, so she'll probably pick the full HD one. So $10 a month. No, you're not going to get that much money. Because I, I, if I if I don't have it for half the year as well, you're not getting $22. It just doesn't add up. So Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. But I feel like in some some spots, they might not be making as much from this um, from these new rules than they might think they are. But who knows? I'm curious. I'm actually just genuinely curious how they're going to handle it. So we'll see how it goes as the quarter wraps up. These rules are supposed to be put in place by the end of the quarter, quarter one. Okay. Yeah, it's a wait and see type thing. Indeed. Adrian, it's time to talk about what we've been watching this week. So I'll, oh. I'll throw it to you. What have you been watching this week? Oh, okay, Simon. Do you want to talk about the thing that we both watched? Or should I just go into what you're probably more interested in? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm looking at the document here, and I'm, I'm sure I'm more interested in the thing you're going to talk about that I didn't watch. So let's just talk about that first. <laughs> let's, okay, let's do cool. That. So Simon, yeah, the oh boy, the Bachelor is back. Oh, this is actually oh, wow. the first season of The Bachelor I'm going to watch. Oh, um, there has been one episode. It The Bachelor is Zach, and he was on The Bachelorette. He was one of the contestants. Is it Zach with an H or is Zach with a K? An H. Oh, an H. Zach, as I called him when I was watching it oh. on The Bachelorette back in the day. And, you know, Zach, she didn't end up with uh, Rachel, unfortunately. Um, but now he's on his own show. He's got a bunch of ladies looking to date him. And, uh, you know, I was worried going into this season of The Bachelor. I was like, Zach is a boring dude. Oh, you don't want to you want to know what's wild about this Zach guy? What? I'm going to keep on saying Zach. Yeah, I'm good with it. But this guy, you know who his uncle is? Who? Um <laughs> I guess you wouldn't know who his I uncle. I could never guess. Yeah, like I mean you wouldn't. No, there's no connection. You gave me no hints. Yeah, it's it's Patrick Warburton, the guy that's Kronk in um Cusco, like uh uh Emperor's New Groove. Cool. 
Yeah, he's also in a series of unfortunate events and various other animated series. Yeah. But yeah, that's his uncle. Anyways, yeah, he was on one of the episodes of The Bachelorette last year. Wow. But anyways, I, I was worried. I was like, Zatch is a boring dude. He just seems like he seems like a AI generated Bachelor contestant, you know, and um, <laughs> sure. Going into it, I was like, man, this is this ain't going to be fun. But I was wrong, Simon. This first episode, good time. Bunch of women. A uh, bunch of drama between them already. There was there was people crying already. It's they're one night in, and 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 the drama's already going. So I cannot wait to see how this show continues to progress. There's an episode tonight. I'm gonna watch it tomorrow. Um. So yeah, again, The Bachelor. I'm into it. I'm into it. I like reality TV these days. Um. But yeah, I know you do. It's good stuff, man. But yeah, what what have you watched, Simon? Before we jump into the what we both watched. Um, I've been watching the first season of Yellow Jackets, <gasps> the Showtime show. It's about uh, wasps. It isn't. It's about a, a girls oh. soccer team, like a high school girls soccer team that gets into a plane to go to nationals and mm-hmm. they crash into the wilderness. And oh. the show is like, is amazing. It, it is definitely amazing. And it's 100% of Rotten Tomatoes still to this day. Nice. Last time I checked anyway. And it's cool. It's it's like a it's like a TVMA version of Lost, but that's exactly what I was just gonna ask. Yeah, it, it kind of is. There's like there's questions, like there's like a mystery that's there's an ongoing mystery, but it does also does like a you know a heavy dose of flashbacks, like consistently. Oh, or flash forwards. Oh, it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. I, I, obviously, the cast of Lost is not a girls' soccer team, but. You know, other than that, <laughs> that little wrinkle, <laughs> they're interesting characters and they kind of flash to to versions of of some of them in the future. So it's like a 20, 25 year gap in between like the flashbacks mm. slash flash forwards. And uh, it's very intriguing. I'm loving it so far. The music's pretty great, uh, as I often often <laughs> mentioned on our podcast. Yeah. If you want to watch it, Adrian, it's on Crave here in Canada, but it's a Showtime show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question. I was like, I think it's Showtime, but it might be HBO. So yeah. it is Showtime. And I would say that it dives more than Lost, even though Lost does this as well. Like Lost is a bit of a thriller at times. I find that this show dives into the thriller-esque a- aspects and the horror aspects. Horror, you say? More so than Lost does in, in some ways. Like I, I, find, I find like it's very horror-esque at some points. And I'm like, wow, oh. very interesting. And some of the film editing is brilliant. And some of the shot composition is brilliant. Again, the acting's great. It's It's a drama through and through. It's not the funniest show in the world, but it's... Definitely worth the watch, and I can see why it's 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. So if you're into uh, if you're into Lost at all, or you you know are into horror or thriller drama series, this is a good one for you, Simon. I'm into all those things. Oh, I'm into all those things. Yeah. So I may actually watch that. Who knows? Yeah. I'm off for the foreseeable future. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll check it out. And just as a note, the next season of the show is starting on March 24th. So oh. second season. Okay exciting week to week i presume oh and christina ricci's character is something else i must say wow oh she's in this show as well yeah because she was just in wednesday too right yeah am i correct about that okay yeah yeah it's it's a ricci and on renaissance ricci on renaissance ricci on rich rich honest that's better yeah rich renaissance yeah thank you anyway we both watched something else adrian and that mm-hmm. thing is the last of us episode three on hbo what did you think of it i loved it 
I absolutely loved this episode, Simon. I don't know if you were going for a pause just you know, just to you know, build dramatic suspense, but I felt like you had gone offline. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I can't bu- see you. So <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I did this to build dramatic suspense. Yeah. Okay. Just like the show consist- consistently does, Simon. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, no, I thought this episode was brilliant. I, I truly... Loved it. I think this episode uh, deviates the most from its, you know, original, you know, source material, like the video game um, with, you know, the characters of Bill and Frank, Uh, Frank actually uh, being a character that's not even in the video game. So what the show does in this episode, I I believe it was written by Craig Mazin. It's 10 out of 10. Amazing. I know. I know we leave the rating to the end, but uh, this is a perfect episode near perfect as close to perfect as it gets i would say of tv i was watching this with my girlfriend and my mom both of them loved it all three of us were crying uh and laughing at multiple points in this episode the acting from frank uh, sorry from uh why did i want to say frank murray um What's his name that plays Frank? It's something Murray. His first name is Murray. Oh. (laughs) It's funny. Whenever you say the wrong name of something, I don't know what that name... Murray Bartlett. Murray Bartlett. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you say the wrong name, I just instantly can't get it. If it's like slightly (laughs) close, the closer it is, the worse it is for me to understand what you were saying. Murray Bartlett, yeah, was amazing. Yeah, I agree. He was brilliant. And uh, I heard... uh, I mean, you watched White Lotus. He's in White Lotus as well, right? I think the first season. Of, yeah, for, he is. With my He's research. really good in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and Nick Offerman is brilliant. Um, it's awesome to see this guy who I know mostly from Parks and Recreation really kind of go out and and do totally different roles. Um, I know uh, he was in that Alex Garland TV show devs where he plays like a very serious role. He's been in a lot of things since parks and rec. Yeah. But just to be clear again, I I know him from parks and recreation. So like seeing him in this was just amazing. And his, his, I mean, both of their performances were brilliant and emotional and heart wrenching and beautiful. Uh, I, I absolutely adored this episode. What did you think? I think you nailed it. You got a lot of my notes down there in your in your introductory statement. Um, yeah, I think that the music was also incredible too. Again, not me, yeah. I was talking about the music, but Gustavo Santoalala, like his uh, his music from the game is amazing, and it's amazing here. But the musical choices, like for the songs they use in this particular episode, awesome. I just find it's amazing. The overall music composition and the music choices amazing. The director obviously did an incredible job too. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a very well shot episode. And again, laughed, I cried, watched it with my girlfriend. We both were crying massively mm-hmm. throughout the episode. It's crazy. Yes. Crazy how much of an emotional roller coaster this particular episode is. This is one of my favorite episodes of TV that I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah. It's one of the better episodes I've seen in a long time that I've seen, of course, it's not maybe the Me too. greatest ever, but no, uh-uh. like I put it up there with like the leftovers, international assassin. Um, yes. Or like breaking bads, Aussie Mandius, which is mm-hmm. actually directed by Ryan Johnson, by the way. Wow. Um, or Watchmen's uh, this extraordinary being like, that's kind of where I got it. Like, I'm sure there's others I can throw in there, but those episodes like stood out to me and like mm-hmm. made me cry and laugh and really go on an emotional roller coaster. And so did this one. It's just, it's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy 
masterpiece of an episode and it's just the right runtime it's interesting like how varied the episode runtimes have been for this yeah, first that, season that's the one thing i about i love about hbo they just they have their episodes as long as they need to be you know it's not too short it's not too long like this episode i think was an hour and 20 yeah an hour and 16 i believe yeah and like nick offerman um and you just said this but nick offerman and marie bartlett are oh my goodness it's the writing's amazing by Craig Mazin to 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 get them to this spot that they need to be. But I feel like it's just and the, the moments of quiet. That's why I was saying the direction's so good. There's like a lot of pauses. Like they don't rush anything. The pacing is com- perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I I I love it so much. Um, it's so good. But I almost never want to watch it again. <laughs> and if you want to know why that is, just watch the episode. But it's. It's incredible, and um, and I just say not the not the gotcha here, but I mean you even watched. Uh, we've definitely seen Nick Offerman in a lot more. Like he's he was in Fargo. Do you remember? Yeah, in was it the second season yeah. of Fargo or third? Yeah, yeah. Parks and Rec was a long time ago. Now Nick Offerman's proved himself as like a almost a less of a comedy actor. I feel like he's mm-hmm. pretty serious, almost more of a dramatic actor. I mean, more so. I feel like lately, I, I want to see Devs for sure. Yeah. Um, that's something that has always been on on the the back burner, the, the like the backlog list, but I just haven't gotten to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, this is a five out of five for sure. I don't know how you can what well, you're going to rate this, Adrian, because this isn't. Th- you're saying that the second episode of the show was just as good as this one. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to rate this episode a six out of five. This will be our first can't eleven out of ten, baby. Nope, can't do that. Eleven out of ten, perfect score. Perfect is perfect for a reason. You can't do over perfect. Well, ten out of ten isn't necessarily perfect. Ten out of ten is just like this is this was a masterpiece. You know, like Puss in Boots. Yeah. That was a ten out of right. ten. Is it a perfect movie? I don't know, but this episode was perfect. So eleven out of ten for this one. No, no, literally perfect would be ten out of ten. Five out of nope. five. That's what perfect is. You can't go above perfect. Agree to disagree on that one, man. Agree to disagree on that yeah, one. Yeah, the audience, you you listen to our ratings, okay? As we go on, you you'll see that I have a I have a pretty good system going, okay? I I don't just say five out of five for every episode. It's just not the way I am. But Mister Five out of Five over here is uh, yeah. Mister Five out of Five. I'm Mister Five out of Five. Baby. He just says five out of five for. He's like, I like it. Five out of five. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. One out of five. It's true. That's the that's the rule. It is. It is going to be the rule. What's Morbius, Adrian? What's Morbius? That's a zero out of a million. Okay. Just zero. It's just zero. You could have made it zero out of one. That's the same. It's it's just zero. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maths. Maths, am I right? Well, yeah. So our together rating then, I assume, is 10 out of 10. 11 out of 10. No, it's not possible. No. Yours is five out of five. Mine is five out of five. It's 10 out of 10. We're not doing some wacko rating system where you get to get an extra point that I don't get. I'm going to do it. <laughs> we're we're going to have not two running. You're not going to do it. Running <laughs> there won't be going on. There won't be because we have a rating system that's already been going and we've already edited and like it's already done. The episode, we did like a small YouTube short TikTok video review, like a short one, like less, less, than, mm-hmm. less insight than we're giving here, obviously. But we prepared that already and it says 10 out of 10 on it. So uh, it's like, true. there's nothing you can do about it. It's already published. I'm just going to comment on it and say the score is actually 11 out of 10. But yeah, I, 
I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Check us out. You can find us on the YouTubes and on the TikToks and on the Instagram at uh, jar underscore split focus. Indeed. J-A-R for just another review underscore split focus for our podcast name, Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. Indeed, Adrian. Yeah. Now that we've rated The Last of Us Episode 3, should we move on to the news? Mm-mm-mm. I don't want to. Hmm. Well, that's too bad. Oh. Let's begin with our focus news story this week. A story that we've determined to be the most exciting piece of news in the film and TV industry over the past seven days. On Tuesday, January 24th, the 53rd annual Academy Award nominees were announced by actors Riz Ahmed and Allison Williams. Chief amongst these announced nominees was the reveal of the 10 Best Picture candidates. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking were all nominated for Best Picture. The Michelle Yeoh starring film Everything Everywhere All at Once managed to earn the most nominations with 11 nods in total, Ooh. including Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, Best Supporting Actor for Ki Hui Kwan, and Best Directing for Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shaynert. Other notable mentions are actor Brendan Fraser's Best Actor nomination for his major return to acting in director Aaron Aronofsky's film The Whale, as well as cinematographer Roger Deakins' 16th Oscar nomination oh. for director Sam Mendes' film Empire of Light. Another surprise nomination was actor Andrea Riesborough's Best Actress nomination for her performance in the film To Leslie. According to publication Entertainment Weekly, an investigation is being conducted in response to this nomination in order to investigate whether any lobbying rules might have been broken. Apparently, actors Kate Winslet and Edward Norton, among others, were celebrating Reesboro's performance on social media substantially prior to the voting period, while some celebrities organized watch parties for the Michael Morris-directed film. Whether any actual rules were broken remains to be seen, but many actors have jumped to Reesboro's defense, claiming that campaigning for Oscars is nothing new, and the only reason that there has been any attention brought to this particular campaign is because it was conducted by actors instead of big corporations. The Oscars this year will return to form by presenting all awards during the live show. In contrast to last year's controversial move to pre-record the presentation for multiple awards, including musical score, in order to save on broadcast time. The 53rd annual Academy Awards will be presented by host Jimmy Kimmel on Sunday, March 12th, 2023. Oh. Adrian, what do you make of these nominations? What do you make of any snubs that you... Jimmel, J- Jimmel Kimmel being back? Yeah. It's it's nice to have Jimmel Kimmel back uh, as the host. He's uh, he's pretty okay at it. Jimmel Kimmel. Um, that's, that's the one thing I do want to... Jimmel Kimmel, baby. Hmm. Uh, did we have a host last year? I can't remember. Or was it just like a group sure of people did. again? We had three hosts. Who were they again? Uh, Wanda Sykes was one of them. Uh, we had... Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember. I don't remember their names off the top of my head. but I remember. Regina... What's her name? Regina... Regina George from Mean Girls. No, definitely not. King? Hall. Hall. Yes, correct. Oh. Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes, and Amy Schumer. Yeah. It was yeah, if I remember correctly, it wasn't bad, but I don't remember correctly. So I'll leave it at that. But yeah. um It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. <laughs> I think everyone remembers one specific thing that happened at the Oscars last year. Oh, oh. yeah. Um yeah. That um 
Uh, Are you trying to think of a joke to avoid saying the thing that you definitely know is the thing that everybody remembers happened at the Oscars last year? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I was, I was going to say like the best picture nom or whatever. The best picture winner, but I don't remember that actually off the top of my head. But yeah, so yeah, when Will Smith. Coda. Oh yeah, Coda. What a great movie that was. But yeah, when uh, That's an amazing movie. That's another, for me, 10 out of 10. That's a 5 out of 5. 10 out of 10. Yeah, Will Smith whacked the shit out of... Um, Chris Rock, good times. Yeah, great, great times. Yeah, great times. Those memes were fun. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 quite wild. There's a there's a few things that I kind of want to point out. Most particularly, uh, a few snubs. And like one thing that I always notice year to year, I think actually our mutual friend Ken wrote into us about this last year. How a lot of the time horror movies get overlooked for these award shows. Hmm. Like it's it's rare that many, if any. uh, like um, horror movies get nominated. And honestly, last year was such an amazing year for horror. There was some awesome movies uh, off the top of my head, like bodies, 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 which was like wholly unique and a really awesome, like whodunit uh, murder mystery, horror movie scream again, the, the, the scream reboot, requel, whatever they called it. That was phenomenal. X Pearl barbarian and Nope as an example as well from Jordan Peele. Like there were so many awesome movies and I don't think a screen movie is going to get nominated. It should because it's fantastic. Should it? Yeah. I see X getting nominated. I see Nope getting nominated. Mm. Didn't What did Nope get nominated for? It must have been nominated for something. No, I don't think it was. If I read through it correctly, I don't think it was nominated for anything. Anything at all. Nothing. I don't believe so. Let me let me just let me just do a quick find. But I, if I recall correctly. But I mean, you're calling it as a snub. So was it snub yeah. completely? It was snubbed completely, yeah. I was like, I'm like 99% sure it was. Whoa. So again, like these awesome movies, this this entire genre is kind of overlooked, which is a little bit depressing because, again, I'm a huge fan of that. But one thing I do want to point out is I feel like everything everywhere all at once being nominated for Best Picture is amazing, as well as just getting 11 nominations in total because I feel like this movie – is such a unique and interesting movie that really doesn't fit into the typical best picture, you know, film. Realistically, I can't think of a of anything remotely like this that's that has been nominated in recent years. So I think this was like a very exciting and awesome thing, you know, that the Daniels are are getting the recognition they deserve. You know, Michelle Yeoh is getting the recognition she deserves for her phenomenal performance in that movie. And I know Everything Everywhere All at Once was your favorite movie of last year. It's definitely my, like the, my top three or five of last year myself. But yeah, like it's it's cool to see this. It's nice to get, you know, different flavors. Albeit again, they're missing the horror flavor entirely, but different flavors in these sort of like best picture um, nominations and everything else. Um the other sort of snub I do want to point out, this is more of a recent one, and I know that it was nominated for Best Animated Feature, but Puss in Boots, yeah. The Last Wish, that should be nominated for Best Picture. I think yeah. Best Picture, not having animated movies nominated for the Best Picture category more often than not is kind of frustrating because animation animated movies are just as good and sometimes better uh, than a lot of live action flicks. Uh, so I would say, especially if you have 10 nominations, mm-hmm. if 10 nominees, I should say. Yeah. Uh, like you should, you should sprinkle it in there and add a little bit more flavor. I mean, I guess you could argue that avatar, the way of the water is like mostly animated, I guess, but still 
I don't know. I still got to watch that. You still got to watch that. Let's just go someday. I don't. I was. I was gonna say tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe. Yeah. We should go see it. Honestly, yeah. I was thinking about it. Like, should we wait till Disney Plus? That was what I was thinking. And I, I told my housemate this, and he's like, "Well, I don't think that's the point." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> wait a second. It's literally a movie made for 3D glasses. It's a, it, it's literally a spectacle film. It's the the definition, really." Of what I think, what Mr. Scorsese was talking about when he said that Marvel films are theme park films. Mm-hmm. This is a theme park film. I feel like Avatar, the first Avatar, and this movie, I imagine, is going to be the same way. The plot is not the point. And I, I think plot is king, and that's why I didn't love Avatar. I think it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But like the second one, I'm guessing, is going to be in the same boat. But the spectacle of it, that's the reason people go watch it. You're going to see this roller coaster ride flying through the air on the weird tail controlled creatures you know what i'm saying or flying through the sea or sorry swimming through the sea tail controlled creatures yeah yeah that you know where you link in yeah with your tail wait are you saying tail control creatures back to me because you don't know what i'm saying or because you agree i I had to think about it but yeah now i remember oh yeah because they bang the same way they ride horses yeah, exactly. Right, that's so weird. What an odd thing. Or or yeah. or ride the flying creatures the same way. They they stick their weird tail thing into the tail thing of the creature. They bang animals. Bestiality, kind of. Possibly. It is pretty strange. But regardless, yeah. I think we should see this in theaters if we're going to see it at all. I, I think yeah. that's a good idea and uh, we should really think about doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to get back to what you said, I said about Nope. It's weird. Nope wasn't nominated. I think the best thing it should have been nominated for in my opinion, is Hoyt von uh, Hoyt, Hoytema should have been nominated for Best Cinematography. Like that, that movie's beautiful to look at. Like it's so well shot. Anyway, that that's a weird one that was overlooked. That was missed for sure. I want Everything Everywhere to win so badly. Oh my yeah. goodness, it's so good. Yeah, that's the one I I really hope wins it all. But we'll see how it goes. I really wanted Coda to win. I just watched Coda like two weeks before the Oscars last year, mm-hmm. I believe it was. And I really wanted to win because I was I was really moved by it. I thought it was incredible. And so I the movie that moved me the most this year was definitely Everything Everywhere All At Once. But honestly, I got to see a lot of these movies. We haven't seen a lot of them. And I feel like I got to still see Elvis. Uh, I got to see The Fablemans for sure. Yeah. Those movies I got. Elvis I don't have any interest in, but The Fablemans I do. Um, I just want to see them all. I think I did that last year. I almost got to, I think, every single one except for maybe two movies last year that were on the best picture list. So mm-hmm. I, I would hope to try to do that this year. All Quiet on the Western Front, we obviously covered. We watched that. That's a that was awesome. heartbreaking and great movie. Um, Top Gun Maverick, we obviously saw. That was badass. Triangle of Sadness is a bit more obscure. I think that's the movie with Woody Harrelson on a cruise ship. I'm fairly certain. Mm. I don't think I'm mixing those up. And then Women Talking is in theaters now. I hadn't even heard of that movie until it was nominated, honestly. I guess embarrassingly. Yeah, no, I actually heard about it like a week or two ago from one of my old coworkers. Um, and she was telling me that she went with her mom um, and like kind of explained like the premises like about like an older like Mennonite. Again, I don't know. I didn't actually look into this, but it's like an older Mennonite society and like the men are like raping the women. Whoa. And, you know, they like they have to like in, in the society that they live in, they have to choose to either like, you know, forgive all these men or, you know, work together um, and like talk about the, the awful things that are going on, I guess, escape. I don't know. Something along those lines. Okay. I'm probably butchering the shit out of that, but also it sounds like it's broken telephone considering you said that you didn't look it up. 
It's true. And you're just going by based on what a colleague told you. It's true, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm down to watch all of the Best Picture nominations. It's just a question of whether we can get to them before it's too late, Adrian, before it's too late. Eh, we got like a month and a half-ish. Yeah, got some time. We can do it if we believe in ourselves. Well, you said you're not even interested in watching. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I just don't care about Elvis. I, I have no attachment to Elvis. I don't know. Like, I mean, he was a pedophile, so I'm curious if they touch on that in the movie. But other than that, I don't really care. He was a pedophile. Um, yeah. You want to elaborate, or do I not? Do I want you to elaborate? Hmm, this is a question. I feel like he I was just... in his twenties, like dating like a fourteen-year-old girl or whatever, who's banging underage women. Yeah, I have no, I have no fact check for you. Here, let <laughs> me this Google time. this for you. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Elvis pedophile. Uh, is it important? Is it important? Elvis this is a sport, pedophile. This is a film and TV podcast. Quick aside about pedophilia. Um, Quick aside about pedophilia. What is happening here? Yeah, I started watching like those Chris Hansen, like to catch a predator sort of stuff on YouTube. I watched like, oh. I don't know, probably like two hours of it last night after uh, sure. I finished running errands. That's, that stuff is so interesting. But um, yeah, Elvis was almost most certainly a pedophile. Um as seen in his relationship with Priscilla, he met her when she was 14 and from that moment on groomed her. Uh, Are you saying this or is that written down on a reputable website? It is uh, Quora as well as NDTV.com. But yeah. Quora? You mean the, 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 the site in which users write in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is very educational. Thanks, Adrian. Okay. So moving back to the Oscars. No worries. The Banshees of Inisherin, we also watched. That one's, I feel like that's a front runner. That might win it all. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I think that might win. I feel it in my balls. I think it's either Banshees, The Fablemans, or Everything Everywhere. I hope mm-hmm. it's Everything Everywhere, but I think those ones are the front runners, I think, on most people's lists so far. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. We will. But there's two other notes I want to make about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. One is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is going up against some juggernauts. Pinocchio from Guillermo del Toro. And from what I understand, Marcel de Shell with shoes on. So it should be interesting. Let's just say that. Marcel de Shell with shoes on slaps that. That's a great movie. Yeah, it is very good. So we'll see how that goes. Although I would still pick Puss in Boots myself. I guess we'll see. And one other thing is a snub. The snub you didn't mention, but I mean, it's also about music. Michael Giacchino not being nominated for the Batman is shocking to me. I can't oh, believe that. good point. That makes yeah. no sense. That music is amazing and arguably the best of the year. And I can't believe that he was not nominated. It makes no sense to me. It's shocking. Again, there's, I feel like the music ones always shock me the most. I feel like that happened with the video game awards a couple years ago. Uh, anyway, that's kind of my my main snub was Michael Giacchino for the Batman, well, who had a great year last year because he also made he also directed a, a special on Disney Plus, which was pretty great, honestly. Oh yeah, the Werewolf by Night. Yeah, Werewolf by Night. He directed that, and I think he did the music for that too, which makes mm-hmm. sense because he's a composer. But yeah, cool. So that's my my two cents on the Oscars. Cool. But uh, I do hope to watch the rest of the movies that we haven't seen. Should we move on now to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present seven of the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as publication deadline reports, Warner Brothers Discovery's network Adult Swim has decided to fire Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland from his role as executive producer and voice actor for the ever popular Rick and Morty animated TV series. 
The firing is due to the domestic violence charges recently filed against Royland. His voice roles are currently in the process of being recast. Ah, this is a bummer on multiple fronts, obviously. Like, I think Royland is, he's very creative and he does a great job in a lot of the properties that he's attached to. And it's obviously awful that, you know, he's having these charges laid out against them. Uh, innocent until proven guilty, but, you know, that's going on. But there were also a couple of people that were posting about him, uh, you know, messaging underage women and stuff like that as well, which which kind of add fuel to the fire. Um, so the court of public opinion is not on his side. But I mean, Sam, do you remember that like Australian special of Rick and Morty? It was like 15 minutes. It was Michael Cusack. Yeah, they should just recast uh, Justin Roiland with Michael Cusack and then just not say anything. So it's like Australian Rick and Morty. That's an idea. Number two. As reported by publication Variety, the Brian Cox starring HBO drama series Succession will air its fourth season premiere on Sunday, March 26th, 2023. Wild. I only watched the first season and it was really great. Got to get back to it. Are you all caught up? Yes. Nice. Number three, as Variety reports, Network Fox has renewed each of their tentpole animated TV series for two more seasons. The wow. Simpsons has been renewed up until season 36. Family Guy until season 23, and Bob's Burgers until season 15. That's wild. I'll be honest, I didn't know Bob's Burgers was still a thing. I remember they released that movie last year, but I didn't realize the show was still going on. So that's kind of neat, I guess. Number four, according to publication The Hollywood Reporter, Fleabag TV series creator Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been tapped by Amazon Prime Video to write a TV series adaptation for the action-adventure Tomb Raider video game series. Bridge is also developing an Amazon Prime Video comedy TV show adaptation for author Claudia Lux's novel Sign Here, which is about a guy who works in hell. Oh, that seems interesting. I'm honestly down to watch anything Phoebe Waller-Bridge creates. Fleabag was phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I'm all in. I also like Tomb Raider, so give me some of that. Number five, according to Variety, the Madonna biopic film starring Ozark's Julia Garner as Madonna herself is no longer moving forward at Universal Pictures. Despite two sets of writers having worked on the screenplay and Julia Garner having won the role at a singing and dancing boot camp that also featured Florence Pugh as a competitor, director Madonna is heading out on a world tour with sold out worldwide venues and will not make time to direct the movie. Hmm, that's too bad. I'm kind of surprised that, you know, she isn't just handing the director reins to someone else, but I guess like it's her life. She wants to do it properly. Apologies about the jingles in the background. My cat's in uh, in here. Pesci, he's jingle jangle. Number six, as Variety reports, season four will be the last season for both the DC Titans TV series and the DC Doom Patrol TV series on HBO Max. Newly appointed DC co-chairman James Gunn was quick to point out on Twitter that these particular cancellations had nothing to do with him or co-chairman Peter Safran and that these decisions were made prior to their appointment as heads of the DC Universe. Oh, too bad. I watched the first season of Titans. It was fine. Never got into it. But Simon, uh, ideally, by the time this episode airs, we should hear James Gunn and Peter Saffron's plans for the DC Universe, because they said by the end of January. Indeed. Yeah. Number seven, as The Hollywood Reporter notes, the increasingly popular HBO video game adaptation of The Last of Us has been renewed for a second season. It has been a huge hit for HBO so far, with the pilot officially garnering 22 million viewers so far across its various supported platforms. Heck yeah, brother. I can't wait. I mean, again, this series is awesome, both video game-wise and so far this TV show-wise. I'm confident they'll be able to adapt part two in a meaningful and creative way. And that concludes the montage. <laughs>
montage. Adrian, what do you have for me? And, and hopefully it's not more news about pedophiles, okay? Because I'm sensing a trend in episode 103 here, okay? Let's just uh, tone the pedophile talk down a little bit. Just a little bit, if we can, if, if possible. This is the pedophile episode, dude. No, <laughs> please no. Please. <laughs> Uh, that's so stupid well i got new theatrical releases with special streaming mentions for you except there's no special streaming mentions this week oh okay pesci stop your jingle jangling scratching on the walls man i'm trying to record here with my pal simon i only talk to him once a week when we record this podcast because we don't talk outside of this podcast that's right all right i'll just get into it i'll just get in there simon there's 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 two movies coming to the theaters this week uh which is week february 1st to 7th yes uh they're coming out on friday february the 3rd the first one is a movie called 80 for brady which is about four old ladies set out on a journey to meet Tom Brady at the Super Bowl based on a true story. Really? And that's the tooth, yeah. Huh, okay. That's coming to the theaters. That is indeed coming to theaters. It's according to the Cineplex um, application. That This is a documentary? No, no, no. It's like a biopic. It's like based on it. Oh. It's not like a documentary. Okay. It's not necessarily a, yeah, I guess it's kind of a, it's a biopic of these four ladies on their way to meet Tom Brady's. Or it's based on a true story. Based on a true story is what I said, didn't I? Okay. You said it's like a biopic. Well, okay. It's not necessarily a biopic. It's just based on the true, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and then the other movie that's coming out, Simon, is Knock at the Cabin Door, which is M. Night Shyamalan's new flick. That looks really interesting. as Dave Batista in it. But I'm really hoping that this is a better movie than his last movie, Old, which was not a good movie. That was that was a that movie was a mess. I didn't like it. It was dumb. Hold up. The the, the movie's called Knock at the Cabin. There's no door. Not knock at the cabin door, no? No door. Just just cabin. What? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure, Simon? Which initially bugged me when I initially saw it. And, and then over time I actually prefer it actually now my brain likes it better knock at the cabin so kudos to m night Shyamalan. oh you are right it is just knock at the cabin holy hannah montana well i'm right yeah of course but oh yeah of course I mean, you're never wrong dude never i'm not saying i'm never wrong but that's what you just said no no i didn't verbatim i clearly did not i mean you can just rewind the tape man rewind the rewind the tape deck i'm always right i'm something <laughs> i knew you're gonna do that bullshit <laughs> what a guy eh <laughs> uh, yeah anyway do you want to go see this this week i do actually yeah do you want to go on thursday evening possibly i can't commit immediately just because i gotta talk to the girlfriend maybe friday evening but. i one of my co-workers actually well long story short i i have had uh, a double date possibly that was asked of me for this film oh okay but that doesn't mean no one else can come so if you are able to make it on the times allotted, I understand. I'll have my girlfriend message your girlfriend to discuss because so, we don't talk outside this podcast, right? So good old Simon might not be invited. That's what you're saying. I I just said I'm inviting you still, hmm. and we're, I'm gonna okay. Like the, there will be allotted time slots to choose from. I know you're saying it on the podcast, but you got to say it publicly. I get it. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. I understand. And uh, I totally forgot there actually is one special streaming mention, Simon. It's it's the hit movie True Spirit, 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 True Spirit, which is based. It's on a true based on a true story, and it's about I think the world's youngest um, person to 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 sail solo around the the world. Oh, 
she's Australian. She's like, crikey, mate. Crikey. All righty. Yeah. And that's it. That's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Cool. Yeah, that ends our regular schedule of programming for this episode, episode 103. Adrian, do you have anything to tell the audience before we wrap this baby up? Uh, yeah, actually. Again, uh, we mentioned it briefly in the middle of the episode, but if you would like to see our short-form videos, you can find us at youtube.com slash jar underscore split focus. You can also find us uh, by searching that on the Instagram or the YouTube, but not the youtube.com part, just the jar underscore split focus part right yeah and you can subscribe to us on all the places that podcasts are streamed spotify apple podcasts google podcasts is that all of the ones you know uh iheart radio yep amazon podcasts yes very good are you done? I think that's it. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, there's also TuneIn Radio, but... TuneIn Radio! Leave us a review on all those on all those services that you can leave reviews on. Yes, it would help us out very much. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thank you for listening to the 103rd episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Hello and good day. I hope you all have a wonderful evening. It is I, Adrian, and I am signing off, bidding you ado with Batman v Superman's a good movie uh, same same with Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon uh, City and uh, Avatar the first Avatar not that good of a movie I don't like it Simon thinks it's fine and that's it take care goodbye goodbye <laughs>